0: Across campus, online and on 12.51am.
1: This, this, this is your student radio station.
0: Welcome. Thanks very much um, for tuning in to us today. Um, I'm sure you may have some more important things to be doing with your families, whether you know, you're know you watching the Queen's speech, whether you're um, watching w- whatever fix the BBC have given us this year that is slightly more mediocre than last year. Whether you're just playing some fantastic family games or just spending time with your families right now, I'm honoured that you've taken time out to come and listen to the show today. Um, thanks so much if you've been listening to us for the last few weeks on Raw. And indeed, since we started going um, with our first few live streams all the way back in April, that does seem like such a long time ago since I first hit, um, hit Facebook with a show that's 15 minutes less than intended to be simply because I didn't... well. Be the first show, you know. When you do, when you're doing your show for the first time and you're testing everything out, and you get to a stage, you think, "Oh, it's really good." You get to the end, and you're 15 minutes shorter than you think, and you're like, "Ah, I have some work to do here. I actually have to, you know, get good at plugging my content out." But a lot has changed since then, and thanks to everyone who stuck with us. Thanks to everyone as well who stuck with us on the airwaves in our prime time slot, as well. I mean, whoever at Raw um was stupid enough to trust me with a prime time slot. Um I hope that I have um repaid your trust over these last few over these last few weeks. And I hope whether you're listening to us right now, whether that be on Christmas Day or indeed on any of our catch-up services on MixCloud, on Spotify, and any of the uh, any other of our streaming sites that you are primed for. A good show and we have a lot to discuss in this show today. We're going to be discussing the biggest stories from over the last year. Our winners and our losers plus our bigly winners and bigly losers from 2020. I, I feel I feel, I needed more of a Donald Trump vibe, you know, like bigly losers and bigly winners from 2020. I know that was bad. It was bad. We're not gonna, we won't talk about that again. And then of course, moving on as well, what's coming up next year as well, because I think everyone kind of wants to get out of 2020 and into 2021. But What's 2021 going to be like? What from 2020 might be here to stay? A lot for us to discuss and, of course, a fantastic panel to discuss it with me. So let's begin with um, someone who has been an ever-present figure from the very first show that we did. You were on the fir- He was on the first live stream all the way back in April. He's been pretty much on every show that we've done on the airwaves, and I'm very appreciative of it. It is, of course... The head of news, my guiding light, and as it's Christmas Day, my guardian angel, Enoch
2: Mukungu. How are uh, you doing? I'm I'm good, Cap. You're, you're far too kind. It, you're far too kind.
0: Well, technically, Enoch, you um, if you were on the breakfast show earlier, you have fulfilled your natural destiny in the nativity on the breakfast show as a BNOCK, and yeah. now you are um, fulfilling your role as a guardian angel. So technically, you've you've been um.
2: You've been going around, you know, the Christmas story pretty well. For... Now, now, all I've got left to do is King Harrod, um, Mary, Joseph, and if I feel a bit cocky, Jesus. That's, that's it. That's, that's the whole thing.
0: <laughs> I say that now and I realise how a bean fits into the Christmas story. I'm not entirely sure. But if, if you're um, you're listening, um, obviously I host The Breakfast Show um, with Rebecca Cole Noah-Keith. Uh, absolutely love doing it and we have we got the christmas day breakfast show slot and we wrote a nativity of which i cast enoch as a b-noch after all if you if you are if you are attuned to what goes on on campus enoch is a b-noch it is as simple as that as well of course of being our fantastic head of news and um what what have you got planned for next term is there anything you can let us in on right now or are you going to keep us on Um, hooks
2: my main plan for next term is to get people to stop calling me a B-NOC. That's my main plan for what I'm going to do. Um, but I think other we, we have a very tentative plan for a new news show next term. It's, it's undergoing race development and also many news podcasts to come. So keep an eye out. Well, definitely keep an eye out for what's going on on the social
0: medias. And I'm guessing as well on streaming sites as well, Mixcloud, Spotify, where all of our brilliant content has been ending up over the last few months. Enoch, it's great to have you on the show today. Um, we have the Head of News. We now also have one of the deputies here at Raw Talk 51am, um, Will Kingswood. Um, very good afternoon to you.
1: Good afternoon. It's great to be here on the show on Christmas Day.
0: Yeah, no, it's great to have you back. You, of course, did um, one of our last shows towards the end of last term, where I think we discussed everything From, you know, the absolute madness that is the two main parties in this country at the moment to, um, I believe, the assassination of an Iranian nuclear scientist as well. So I think I I think it's fair to say, I think this is a am hoping this is a slightly more relaxed, more fun second show for yourself. Something something not so, you know, I
1: think maybe not maybe less focusing on assassinations might be. Yeah
0: a bit easier, easier going content. Nothing that's like, you know, madcap assassinations and, you know, the very inherent future of our two main parties, something like that. But, um, of course, you are um, deputy now in the news department. I mean, what does that feel like? How are you enjoying it so far?
1: Um, So far, it's feeling good. I'm get sort of starting to get more involved in the show, and I feel like over 2021 I'm going to get a lot more involved, maybe start doing more somewhere and things, a few podcasts, something like that.
0: Now, obviously, Will, um, you are Obviously, Deputy Head of news. Now he's going to be working with Enoch. Um, what's it like, as well, to work with Enoch? I want to. Obviously, Enoch's come on the show many times. Was he, he a very scrupulous boss? I would all? say,
1: yeah, he's fairly scrupulous, but he's very, very easy to work with, and I don't anticipate any attempted coups in the next uh, few months, at least.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel <laughs> the fact we're even discussing a coup on air that's not a that's not a good sign, Enoch. You may need to. start employing your praetorian guard now mate but um great to have you on will and as well rob allison um joins us today how are you doing i'm doing fine love to be here no it's fantastic to have you on as well um you of course came on the night after the u.s election broadcast where it's fair to say the cumulative hours of sleep that we had all had on that show i
1: think you could count
0: it on one hand you could easily count it on one hand i remember getting up that morning to um Support the morning broadcast for Raw. I saw Donald Trump's um, sort of speech where he was like, oh, the election's not over and everything, and we're still going to keep going. And literally, I, I was just like, you know what? There's no point in staying up. I'm going back to sleep here. And I genuinely, I think I got more sleep from that little bit than I did across the rest of the entire night.
3: Yeah, it, it was quite the evening. Um, and
0: somehow doing the radio show was the most calming part of all of it. <laughs> yeah, I tell you what, it was it was fantastic to do obviously both the um evening show where I was lucky enough to host a couple of hours on that, and then some of the hours in the morning show as well. That Johnny Jenkins and Luke James, two of our other fantastic presenters here at Raw, also covered that show. And then to somehow pull out an hour of the alternative view that afternoon, Herculean. But I think that was a good effort from everyone all around Um thanks very much to all my guests for being on the show today. Um Obviously, 2020 has been a crazy year. I'm just going to say it now for fear that I'm just going to repeat myself throughout the entire show. But I guess a good place to really to start with everyone is what has your years been like? What, what, how has 2020 gone for yourself? Because, I mean, I've, it's been a, been a difficult year. I don't think we can beat around the bush about that. But I think it's one where I can take some positives. From it, I can take a lot that I feel like I've started to learn about myself a bit more. I'm, it's been a year of real self-reflection, I think, definitely, and one that I've certainly benefited from. I don't know if that's the same with you guys. Enoch, what, how has 2020 been for you? Are there any particular highlights?
2: Um, any particular highlights? Um, well, you know, I have to say, actually, this show's one of my highlights of 2020. I have to, I have to say Oh, that. thank you. I, thank I remember you. When, when you first discussed doing a new show with me all the way back, Back in March when we were still on campus. Back, back and we when thought, we could still go to the pub yeah, and discuss new yeah, shows like that. We thought we were all going to come back for, you know, for summer. Um, and then, you know, when I was like, hey, do you want to do a live stream? And, you know, that went really well. To so now look at you as a primetime news host. Um, I'll yeah, like, take the honour, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all, all the work I've done, you know, with Real News this year has been, been at times stressful and soul-destroying. Um, but also just really rewarding. And I feel like I've created lots of stuff and i helped create lots of stuff that's been really, really good.
0: Well, no, of course, and it's been fantastic, obviously, to have your support um, in helping the show develop and, of course, to go on Insight as well on many occasions. I have loved coming on Insight. It has been some very, very juicy debate, definitely. Um, Will, any particular highlight for you? Of course, you your lockdown was, I think, different to ours, and Rob's obviously being a first year. You were still in, like, sixth form college when you were in lockdown first hit, and then you came to university in September. I mean, what what has that all been like and are there any sort of personal highlights for you from this year that you can take
1: I think just I think being able to get to university is probably quite a good highlight so I mean I had mocks in like the first few months of the year um and then we hit March April lockdown and you didn't like no one really knew what was going to happen so I think getting to August and finding out that I'd escaped the worst of Gavin Williamson's algorithm was quite, was quite a good highlight and then once now I'm here I'm really enjoying like getting involved with like the radio station becoming the deputy, like the news deputy and just getting involved in university life.
0: No definitely and it's great obviously to have you here at the station firstly but I think it's just great you know for yourself to be able to show that really life has still gone on some somehow that you've still been able to like go out and come to university and get involved in things like this i think it's a real credit i think to everyone at raw for allowing the station to go on in this way and rob um, finally to you as well um what has 2020 been like for you any personal highlights
3: um it's just like you say it's been one of those years where nothing has been certain it's been up and down constantly um and i think with so much adversity so many challenges everyone's faced. It's, it's one of those times where you can't help but learn lessons you can't help but spend some time you know with the people who matter most to you and just sort of really recenter yourself focus on on what really matters distill things down and you know come back with a, a clear head as possible even at times when it's tough even at times when you know everything's going down the drain
0: no absolutely I think that that's quite a way to put it this year I think it's been a challenging year quite a lot of adversity for everyone But I think one that a lot of people, I think, can say that they feel they've taken a lot from, definitely. And I think whatever happens, we'll look back on 2020. It's the sort of year you tell your grandkids in the future, you know, where they're like, what what was it like to live through 2020? Quite a lot of stories to discuss there. And we'll be back, speaking of stories, we'll be back with some of those stories that have been particularly interesting, particularly peculiar, and some quite downright weird. All that to discuss, but first, this.
3: Music. Welcome back to another week of Psychedemics. Hello,
0: everybody. You're listening to The Vinny Show. You are listening to Rockstar. Backstage Casper. we starting to get up. Hello, guys.
3: There's a team spirit going oh, on behind it. You're all rooting for each other. Oh, yeah. Good. Sure That's it. Yeah. Arts. I love the idea of popular films being nominated for Oscars. I just think the style that Marvel has made has just mm. put them, like, way above. Speed. You must get to the maths and stats building using three different modes of transport. Oh my God, there's a trolley.
0: It's really all about, like, educating,
2: networking and sharing our stories. I think the SU has a really uh, important role in engaging students with politics. News. Good evening and welcome to The Big Decision. Ben and Larissa tied. This is your student radio station.
3: This is Raw 12. 51am.
1: Classic tickets, classic films, independent films, and the latest soft buses. Experiencing film direction, more chance to join great right fantastic and seeing unions free. Join and join Warwick students in Monster today. Go to filmsoft.ac.uk
0: Across campus online and on 1251am. This, this, this is your student radio station. Of course, a lot has happened. In 2020, it's fair to say it's been quite. Uh, dramatic year to put it lightly and i tried to as you know we've been summing up the week in 60 seconds on all of the shows this term and then i got the spark early today well let's try and sum up the year in 60 seconds Um, i know i've got a list of things here on my screen where i'm recording this i know we won't cover all of them i know we're going to bodge a lot of them but let's try this so (laughs) This is the year in 60 seconds, in three, two, one. So obviously coronavirus has been the main story this year. The coronavirus pandemic emerged in China on New Year's Eve last year. It has spread pretty much all across the world at the time of recording, about 50 million cases over that and nearly 1 million deaths across the world. Some countries have done very well, see China, New Zealand were some of the best at tackling the virus, Western Europe, the United States in particular struggling to deal with it, and it's still... A story we know that some vaccinations are emerging now, but it will be interesting to see how that develops. Of course, some quite notable floutations of the coronavirus restrictions, Dominic Cummings and the Strip Barnard Castle, the most obvious one. The Brexit negotiations continue. We left the European Union on the 31st of January this year. Deal or no deal? At the time of recording this a week before Christmas, there is still no deal. We don't know what's happening. As well as that, bushfires in Australia earlier this year. A lot of attention shifted onto climate change. Of course, the killing of George Floyd in the Black Lives Matter protests then emerged from that as well. A lot of focus on racial injustices within society. And of course, Liverpool Football Club somehow won the first league title in 30 years. And that is the year in 60 seconds. Oh, come come to think of that Liverpool Football Club. Of course, a passionate football club with some of the most dedicated football fans in the world. And I remember when we went into lockdown in March, I have a lot of friends who are Liverpool fans. And they were distraught at the thought, having been nearly sort of 17, 19 points up at losing that league title. And literally, I think for them, that they would have been absolutely heartbroken and distraught that they waited, you know, when you wait so long for something and then it's just snatched away at you at the last minute. Luckily, of course, the Premier League restarted when the pandemic sort of wound down. And we got to see Liverpool fans go absolutely loud and absolutely annoy everyone by winning that first league title in 30 years, and we never hear the end of it. Somehow now something tells me I'm not sure I wanted them to win that league title, just declare the season <laughs> null and void. But so, so there we go. I think that's, that's one thing certainly to take from this year, but there's a lot of other stories that I did mention, because as I said, rather a lot has happened this year. So Enoch, let's start off with you. Um, the US election, I mean, I didn't even mention the US election. I mean, that tells you how crazy oh. this year has been. But um, obviously Joe Biden became president, beating Donald Trump, the Electoral College, um, 360 to 232 voting him in. But it didn't seem like that after Iowa, the first primary, take us through the Iowa caucus.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's weird to think of this, but just under a year ago, um, voting started in the Iowa caucus, the first caucus in Democratic and Republican primaries, traditionally. Um, now, the, the big thing about Iowa, because Iowa is not very representative of America as a whole, but winning Iowa gives you momentum that helps you win the rest of the primaries. So, normally, a person who wins Iowa, they usually do go on to win the whole thing. Um, Joe Biden was not going to win Iowa. We all knew that going in. He was not polling, he was polling about third place, fourth place there. I think he came in third in the end. So, he did okay, but he was not polling to win Iowa. Um, the person who was born to win Iowa was someone called, was a little man called Bernie Sanders. You may have heard of him. I don't know. Not very popular, not very well-known. Bernie Sanders, just a full fringe political figure. Um, and, and so on the night of Iowa, Bernie Sanders predicted to win because he did very well in, 20, in 2016, and he thought he was going to do even better to, uh, on that night. So everyone went to bed in Iowa and woke up in the morning, expecting a result. And we didn't have one um, because the Iowa caucus had been using an app to vote in there for that election. And it seemed like the app had broken down. Um, so sort of week upon weeks, so we didn't actually have a result in the Iowa caucus, which was a big issue because on the night of the event, both Bernie Sanders and Pete Buttigieg um, declared victory. Pete Buttigieg was um another was a sort of more centrist figure in the Democratic Party, young rising star, former mayor of South Bend, um, now going to be Biden's transport secretary. Um, now it came out in they came out that the company that was running the app had ties had. Um, to put it in quotes, ties to various establishment Democrat figures like Pete Buttigieg and, you know, various members of the DNC. Um, and in the end, Pete Buttigieg did win that primary. Um, of course, by then, the momentum was lost and he sadly had to drop out after South Carolina. I say sadly, they didn't really care. They had to drop out after South Carolina. Um, the yeah, Iowa caucus was the absolute biggest disaster. Even Trump was roasting Democrats for it. Um, it was a humiliation for them, we a national scale, that some people were like, back when it happened, we were like, oh, well, this is costing the election. But of course, the world ended after the Iowa caucus happened, so it didn't matter in the end. Well, I think you could say,
0: on the scale of voter fraud stories and allegations that emerged in, in 2020, you would think at the start of the year that wouldn't be eclipsed. Yeah. Yet somehow, come November, it was.
2: True. Spectacularly. Yeah, America found its narrative early, and its narrative was... The government can't do anything. Votes don't matter. And that was it. That was the entire thing.
0: Well, then let's try and move on to something a bit more positive now. Um, Will, um, you, of course, you finished um, sixth form earlier this year. You came up to um, universities, you said earlier, but it wasn't necessarily the smoothest of sailing for yourself and the rest of your peers.
1: No, because of uh, Gavin Gavin Williamson's now infamous algorithm. So, in in early March, with the pandemic beginning to arise, uh, they cancelled all of schools and then subsequently cancelled all of, all exams for our year. And then over the next few months, they the government decided to build an algorithm this to essentially calculate what everyone would get for for their um, grades to get into university and for GCSEs i mean and then this all it all came to a head in august when we results were released and 35% of people had been marked down by one grade and that 3% had even been marked down by two grades and just the outcry over that led to one of the government's biggest u-turns of the pandemic, where they agreed to let use teacher predictions as opposed to their what had clearly been a flawed algorithm.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, you mentioned one of the many u-turns throughout the pandemic. I've lost count as to how many u-turns have been, but I think this has certainly been the most embarrassing one. And perhaps I, the thing that's part, I don't know if it's embarrassing or it's just plain surprising. Is it Gavin Williamson still in a job? I mean, what do you think? Do you think this should have been a resigning matter for Gavin Williamson?
1: I think there have been a lot of issues this year that should have been resigning matters. I think this government is immune to, the government ministers in the government are immune to resigning matters these days. You could argue say Pretty Patel should have gone this year, Gavin Williams should have gone, Gavin Williamson should have gone, Matt Hancock probably should have gone, even Boris maybe should have gone how he's handled especially the um, Dominic Cummings situation.
0: Well we turn to um, one government minister you mentioned there very shortly. Um, Rob, um, one of the biggest stories aside from coronavirus this year was um, the killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis and the Black Lives Matter protests that resulted from that. Um, Talk to us a bit more about that. Yeah so I think it's interesting, first and foremost, that the
3: Black Lives Matter movement rose up to its to its biggest um, power in the middle of the pandemic. The fact that such a massive groundswell of support for um, racial justice matters came, despite this you know, deadly virus circulating, all these people out in the streets. Um, huge coalitions of people, multiracial, diverse coalitions of people saying, this isn't fair, this isn't enough, I don't know. If you guys have watched, you know, the original clip of, of George Floyd um, and his murder, but the video really is, you know, harrowing.
0: It's very hard um, to watch. Definitely,
3: yeah. Just all the all the consequences of it, and you know, the movement that sprung up in so many different countries that is, you know, demanding action. I think it speaks to the severity of the issues um, that the movement seeks to address. Um, that it has come about in the middle of a pandemic and you know despite the risks that are there from meeting up and and being with people um that many people the fact that enough people are still turning out in the streets i think you know it just really reveals a lot about um you know the levels we've got to go to um as a society to address these problems
0: well no definitely i think racial injustice and indeed injustices more widely i think have become a real Talking point this year, and I think particularly with the pandemic, sort of accentuating just the importance of these and expanding some of these inequalities and justices that have been in society, I guess something to come from that is obviously we've seen such a significant spotlight rightly put on this this year, but I guess the question is what next now what what can you do from the protests what what should the protests ultimately Lead to whether that's within government, whether that is within society more widely
3: mm, and I think
0: that is one of the trickier
3: questions to address is the movement until now has sort of had not hugely specific demands, but I think you've seen more recently a, a focusing on sort of demands for action, demands for better representation in the halls of government um you know demands for structural change um within these government institutions um interesting as well, you see the matter of pulling down statues that was a huge debate that rose up in the aftermath of the um you know the movements um here in the uk and in in the us with confederate statues there's a huge debate now in in the public sphere about who do we glorify who do we who do we educate our kids about who do we teach about in schools you know why why did people not know who um edward colston was and why you know why was that not part of the curriculum why has he got a statue yet no one knows who he is um so there's a lot of rethinking to do there about the curriculum in schools um and a lot about you know who we who we hold dear in society i think that's a moment of reckoning for us all to contend
0: with yeah i think it it's certainly and a, a lot of other stories have emerged sort of aside from that And i think it really reflects into i think a much wider debate within society on sort of culture upon what society is at the moment, really. I think there's a lot that has emerged from, I think, from just this one horrific event earlier this year. And I think it's been fascinating to see just what has emerged from that and really the demands for change and just how people have mobilized behind the cause. And I think it's certainly something that's going to be interesting to see how that develops across the next few years. Um, One last story to bring up. Um, We've already talked about Gavin Williamson. Let's quickly talk about Priti Patel. Um, Priti Patel, of course, the Home Secretary, someone who is a very popular figure amongst a lot of the Tory grassroots. But um, at the start of March, pre-lockdown, Priti Patel's um, senior advisor in the Home Office from the Civil Service, Philip Rutnam resigned and triggered a case against her for constructive dismissal, saying that her actions had amounted to bullying and that they felt that she was not running the department effectively and she was effectively bullying her staff at the Home Office. Um, A report was released by the end of the year which showed that Priti Patel had broken the ministerial code and had been responsible for the bullying of staff. Um, The government, however, dismissed it. They said that yes, while she had broken the ministerial code, they felt that she was diligently and effectively carrying out her job and so decided to keep her on. Now, I guess this says a lot. We've talked about this government and the fact that resigning matters hasn't really been a thing. There's been no government resignation since Sajid Javid's back in February during the reshuffle. And I don't know whether that's the pandemic that has led to this being the case or whether that's just the fact that Priti Patel is such a figure within the Conservative Party, that she is very popular amongst the Conservative grassroots. I mean, wh- wh- what do you guys think, very quickly, to that? I mean, why do you think Pretty Patel didn't resign, despite the convention that if you break the
2: ministerial code, you are expected to resign? Well, what conventions are left in 2020? I think... The, the great, I think, undoing of Boris Johnson's government, I, I do think this could be the, the thing that really breaks it, is that there has been a, a disposal of accountability. You, you know, in Boris Johnson's government, it's simply enough of like, oh, well, got that wrong. Either too bad or say sorry and move on. In fact, sometimes they have to say sorry. I mean, Dominic Cummings, despite the easiest thing in the world it would have been for him to simply apologise, resign, and come back in a few months, refused to apologise, and has kept his job. It's It's bizarre. I think it's just what happens. If you let go of standards, then you, you let go of standards. Well, no,
0: I think that is. I think that's an interesting point. Of course, the government will say that yes, she broke the ministerial code, but you know she was still acting effectively and trying to commit her role. I think it's one of the interesting points is that they is that Pretty Patel was almost acting against what they saw as blockages within the Home Office and had to act sternly to go against a department that wasn't working effectively. I think this is a story that I'm not sure we've seen the end of yet. There'll be interesting to see how that develops. And of course, how the Conservative Party and how the cabinet continues to shape up. Um, We will be back very shortly talking about some of our winners and some of our losers from the year. But first, this. Looking for a bite to eat at the Warwick SU?
1: Daily specials and fine dining experience at the brand new Canopy. Karaoke,
0: pub grub and lager on tap at the Dirty Duck. Salad and sarnies to go in the front oven. Or a latte link up at Curiosity.
1: There's something to suit any taste and any budget.
0: And if you've got a big night ahead of the Copper Room, start it right at T-Bar. With speciality cocktails, best stock prices and our expertly stocked bar overlooking the piazza. At Warwick SU Outlets. There's something to satisfy every taste. Raw Breakfast, the feel-good way to start your day. This is Breakfast Radio for Warwick students, by Warwick students. Playing the feel-good hits and brightening up your morning. Plus, we have the best gaps games and giveaways to freshen up your stagecoach commute. Listen to Raw Breakfast, every day from 8am. Across campus, online and on 12.51am. This, this, this is your student radio station. Obviously, 2020 has been quite a quite a dramatic year. I feel like I'm going to say that all the time. It's just been a crazy, dramatic, just weird year in general. And of course, out of any year like 2020, there have been some big winners and some big losers. And so we're going to take some time. Each of us have bought our winners and our losers from this year. and We're each going to discuss that on the show today. Um, so I'm going to go first. And i want and I want us to discuss this because, of course, a winner to us might not be a winner to someone else, and it could easily be debated that some people have both won and lost this year so let's start off with my winner for this year, which is the Chancellor of the Exchequer Rishi Sunak now um no one knew who Rishi Sunak was a year ago, or well, some people certainly did. I mean, he performed well in the election debates, but he was very much a sort of minor cabinet ministers but in February, um, with the resignation of Sajid Javid over a debate with Dominic Cummings over SPADS in um, special advisers within Treasury, Rishi Sunak is promoted to chancellor and almost immediately is thrown in the deep end with coronavirus, yet develops a reputation for being one of the highest spending chancellors pretty much of all time, rewriting every economic rule in the book with the pandemic. You have the furlough scheme, the out to help out as another particular highlight of Rishi Sunak. There's been a lot. And his um, popularity is higher than pretty much any other uh, politician within the UK at the moment. But you could say, obviously, this will have to be paid back at some time soon. Will this popularity last when inevitably he's going to have to take tough measures? I mean, what do you guys think? Will, let's talk to you first. What what do you think to Rishi Sunak? Do you think he's been a winner this year? And if he has, do you think his popularity will continue?
1: I think I would say he's probably a winner so far. Obviously, if you're giving away, you're, he's giving away money essentially to help maintain the economy, and that no one, no one's going to be um, disappointed by what is essentially like what is free money. But I think when the uh, when the pandemic's over and we do need to start paying it back, you will see probably um, popularity shift away from him just because he will have to raise taxes just to pull back
0: some of the spending that we've done over the last year. Well, I guess that's the thing, Rob, because Rishi Sunak's built his reputation so far on being someone who, you know, has spent a lot of money. And people obviously like chancellors when they're spending money, when they're putting all this investment in. But as we saw with George Osborne, a lot of his unpopularity derives from austerity. Rishi Sunak tried to distance himself from some form of austerity so far so do you think that there's a particular formula or a particular strategy that Rishi Sunak could use to continue this popularity or is it inevitable as soon as he starts to pay back the spending from this pandemic it's not going to be possible to keep that popularity? I think
3: aside from the fact that he's one of the highest spending chancellors certainly in our lifetimes and in a lot of people's lifetimes he did seem a very smooth operating, in a very good confident PR man, he was excellent in the press conferences, and just seemed very competent, especially as mentioned, as a new mister um, in the middle of February, no one really knew who he was. Um, but I think, yeah, his, his time is coming when he's going to have to take some harsh decisions. Um, people like chancellors when they spend money, obviously, that's, you know, people like a government that gives them things. It'll be interesting to see how he navigates the high seas, of budget conservatism of you know really tightening the purse strings um and having to as as you say you know enact probably quite high taxes spending cuts which it'll be interesting to see if people remember that side of him or the side that was
0: mr furlough well i think that will be interesting to see going forward um we'll come back to my loser will let's come back to you first who is your winner this year
1: well, I would say that my winner is Elon Musk. So obviously we've seen the um Falcon his like his rocket SpaceX has taken leaps and bounds. He sent a manned mission to the International Space Station in the last few weeks he's um started with his Starship launch which which successfully failed in a way <laughs> exploding when it landed. But he just seems to be ta- he just seems to be taking further and further strides to get humanity off the Earth and into the stars with very few
0: setbacks at the moment. Well, I mean, Elon Musk, certainly one of the most talked about um, people on the planet this year. Um, Enoch, I mean, what, what, do you, what do you make of Elon Musk? You've um, covered SpaceX quite a bit on Insight this year. You've taken quite a lot of... You've obviously shown a lot of interest in that. Do you count Elon Musk as a winner from this year?
2: I think in many, in many ways, Elon Musk is interesting. Because we have last now discussed like the dichotomy of man. Elon Musk, leader of SpaceX and Tesla and all those companies is having an absolutely fantastic year of innovation, success and acclaim. Um, Elon Musk, the man, is having a very bad year where he seems to be re- breaking down Twitter every second day. Um, I think from, from, the, from the incidents in March we basically started to try and say "Can I over in a few months. This isn't a big issue reopen all the factories, get people back to work, which obviously, as we now see, may not have been the best idea. Um, to more recent incidents where he's been accused of being a, a transphobic over his comments of, of pronoun use. Um, Elon Musk, is not, he's, he's not in the same place he was culturally even just a year ago. Um, I think he's far more divisive figure now. Well, I, I do think Elon Musk as the leader of SpaceX is an absolutely fantastic year. I mean, I'm, I love space, and I hope we get back to space more often. I think he's, really, he's going to be part, a major part of that.
0: I do, I have to say, one particular highlight of Elon Musk this year has to be him complaining on, well, I don't know if he's complaining on Twitter, saying that his shares are so high. Naturally, wait, wait, what was happens? That, was that this year? Over in year. Any of his shares? I know he's complaining. He said his shares were very high, and then naturally his share price yeah. just plummets. I, have
2: a, I think he was, he wanted to, well, wasn't 69 or 420, and so he was like, the share price too high, so he could get it
0: down. I, I feel 69 and 420, I feel Elon Musk could have made more about the, the irony of those numbers rather than, rather than his share price being too high. I have a friend who put loads of um, money onto the stock market in Tesla. It's fair to say his money was just going up and down, up and down, up and down. And then apparently he spent it all on poker, or so he told me. <laughs> anyway, um, obviously 2020 has also been a year of losers. And one big loser for me is Rudy Giuliani, um, Donald Trump's former lawyer uh, or his personal lawyer. He's the former mayor of New York, once known as America's mayor after 9-11, a very popular, formerly very popular figure, but now working in the Trump administration as Donald Trump's personal lawyer, someone who, whose reputation has rather taken a nosedive this year in particular. Not only has he been central to um, Trump's allegations of voter fraud, which have been thrown out by every court they've gone into and almost widely disproven. Um, you have his famous um, Garden Centre press conference when he couldn't book the Four Seasons Hotel, so he decided to do his press conference outside the Four Seasons Garden Centre. And just in general, Rudy Giuliani, arguably bore out as well. Not a moment. I, I don't want to say what happened but not a moment that certainly put him in a good light. Rob, do you think Rudy Giuliani can recover from 2020? I know a lot of people have termed that Rudy Giuliani, we had the rise of Giuliani, we had the fall of Giuliani, and now we've had an even bigger fall, almost to the depths of hell, almost for Rudy Giuliani.
2: Yeah, I I
3: don't see any way back for him, honestly. He's hell over the hill now, and we were speaking before the show, weren't we, about how he's just, he's found new new depths to to sink to. He's been on the way down, you know, since allying himself with Donald Trump and rats normally flee a sinking ship, but somehow he's just stuck with it and with it and with it. The spiral is continuing down and he's still out there with the, the hair dye falling off his face and outside the Four Seasons Garden Centre. And he he just seems to find new ways to be a joke every week now. Who, like... He was fine a few years ago. Just People had largely forgotten about him. He'd fallen from grace a bit, but that was fine. And Now he's just in the news every week, you know, muddying
0: his own name. Yeah, Rudy Giuliani, before the 2008 Republican primary started, was the favourite pre-primary to get the presidency in 2008 and be the candidate who um, challenged Obama. And in the end, I think he had uh, some quite questionable debate performances, which led to John McCain... Um, eventually becoming the nominee that year, but wouldn't that have been very interesting? Obama Giuliani in two thousand and eight—that would have been very fun indeed. um Will, who is your biggest loser from twenty twenty?
1: So, I'm um, my biggest loser. I'd say is Jeremy Corbyn. So, obviously, he started the year a bit terribly by losing the uh or resigning from the Labour leadership, and then losing the leadership to Keir Starmer, and he's just sort of pod, uh, like. Plodded along for the most of the year until like a few months ago when he was found to or when he was kicked out of the Labour Party or suspended from the Labour Party for being uh, a- for accusations of anti-Semitism and even now when he's been allowed back into the Labour Party but Keir Starmer hasn't given him back the whip as uh, rendering him like an independent in the House of Commons so I just say from, the, from a leader of the Labour Party to now an independent MP, I think Jeremy Corbyn has had one of the worst years of anyone in 2020.
0: It's quite a dramatic fall that he's had, definitely. Of course, had that election gone differently a year ago, Jeremy Corbyn could be Prime Minister right now. That just sums up how much of a fall he's had. Um, Enoch, what, what do you think about this with Jeremy Corbyn? Because I guess you can't talk about Jeremy Corbyn without talking about Keir Starmer. Do you think that Keir Starmer has perhaps emerged as winner out of this, or knowing as well that a lot of Labour activists and the grassroots are still very loyal to Jeremy Corbyn? What, what do you think? Do you think Jeremy Corbyn being a loser this year is a loser for the Labour Party as a whole?
2: Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Jeremy Corbyn. The actually is, Jimmy Corbyn didn't really lose this year. He lost last year, but he lost really hard last year, so much it's just sort of lasted into this year, um, if, that's, if that's even possible. Um, I think the are part going to be dealing with the repercussions of that loss for, I think, maybe the next 10 years potentially. Um, Keir Storm, I think, you know, he does well. I've criticized him plenty. He, I think he's doing pretty well overall. But the matter matter is, he has a Labour Party that's been shaped by Jeremy Corbyn. He has a new Labour MP that's been shaped by Jeremy Corbyn. He has a perceptual Labour Party that's been shaped by Jeremy Corbyn. He's fighting, uh, he's fighting upstream, and he, he may not be the right man to fight in that battle. He may not have the charisma he needs to carry it home.
0: Well, of course, come 2024, it will be interesting um, whether Captain Hindsight, as he has um, been termed by um, some Conservative MPs, or indeed, Many of those who have seen him calling for a lot of the measures that have eventually been adopted throughout the pandemic. It'll be interesting to see whether Keir Starmer can capitalise upon some of his success this year. He is at this point, um, got higher approval ratings than Boris Johnson, but yet the Conservative Party are still ahead in many polls. So it will be very interesting to see. Um, We will be back um, for our second hour very shortly. We'll be talking about some of 2020. What from 2020 would we like to see continue into the future plus we'll be having Enoch and Rob's winners and losers as well from this year across campus online and on twelve fifty-one a.m this
1: this this is your student radio station
0: let's start off by talking about um about 2020 in general and some of the new things that we've had this year because it's fair to say if you told me a year ago that I would be wearing face masks in pretty much all indoor spots, that I would be doing most of my social interaction with people online. I'd be recording th- this radio show like many others like I've been doing online, whether I'd be sanitizing everything from my desk to my hands to the doors. I'd be wiping my shopping bag when I come back from the shops, that I would be doing my lectures online. I mean, there, there's so much that has happened this year. If you told me a year ago, I'd be doing that. I would honestly give you a million pounds and tell you you that you're crazy. It's a shame though I would have lost that million pounds in that bet. But there you go. I think so much has um, happened this year. And I think a lot of many people, I almost think people want some elements to stay. And I actually would agree that there's been some elements from 2020 that I think we could continue to see in the future. So I want to get my panel's thoughts on this. So let's start off Well, let's start off with the university element, the bit, of course, that's most relatable to us, which is things like online teaching, things like doing lectures, seminars, potentially online, Um, doing more online events, maybe the speakers or certain online socials. I mean, what do you guys think to that? So, Will, let's start off with you. You're a fresher, so you've kind of been forced in at the deep end with all of this. This is your first experience in university do you think it's something that you would perhaps want to keep in the future
1: Um, I think it's quite hard to say so for my seminars I've had a mix of online and in person and I've always just found the in-person one slightly better I feel like it's a lot easier for people to interact with one another answer the questions start debates and things like that as a like as regard to like online lectures that's the only thing I've had I haven't I had never had an in-person lecture. But I do I can see the benefit of recorded lectures because it makes it a lot easier to make notes because you can pause, rewind, things like that. Which I think once we go back to in-person lectures might become a lot more difficult because obviously you have to keep up with what the lecturer is saying and that might be too fast for you.
0: Okay. well, Rob, you and I were sat in many a lecture together in our first year. Um, What what do you think of the new teaching system and obviously things like online lectures online seminars potentially as well do you think they're better do you think there's something that you want to see more of or more of in certain circumstances I
3: think the online stuff is fantastic as an option I feel like to make either in-person or online stuff compulsory as a blanket um you know as a blanket decision is is hasty and perhaps a waste of time but I think To offer that flexibility to students, you know, as Will said, for students to do lectures at their own pace, make notes more flexibly, I think that's fine. But also, you know, the the benefits of in-person seminars are there. It is easier to start discussions, obviously, um, me, um, Cam and Enoch, you know, we can remember being sat in seminars from first year, where it's just so much easier to interact with the tutor, with your fellow students, you know, to have those really intriguing debates um, and you know get into some of the subject and I said that becomes a lot easier when you're there in person so I think a blended approach the university has tried to pursue has been a success and has been you know good for students I think a mix
0: is appropriate Um, yeah okay Enoch what, what do you think then because obviously I think there's a consensus building that perhaps online seminars is not the way to go but certainly an increasingly online lectures increased online resources for example with books for example from the library I mean do
2: you think the direction of university is that it's going to go increasingly online I think the direction of the world is going to go increasingly online I think the thing about online seminars is that people may not like to watch they like in person seminars but now the university knows they at least work and I think that's that's always the first step once you know something at least works that's always the first step to refining it and once the coronavirus pandemic is over, you, you're not going to go, well, that's all right. We've spent all that time and money developing this technology. Let's never use it again. They're going to go, okay, well, this worked. Is this something we could offer to people? Is this now potentially an option for people who maybe can't come into campus for health reasons, can't, who maybe can't access campus for reasons, who maybe need to work from home? Is this a way we can integrate them into the, you know, the university community and find a way to charge them £9,000 for basically a bunch of online work? But yeah, I do think online is the future.
0: It's the flexibility element yeah. that i think comes from that definitely and i think uh, we talk talking 2020 has been a year of learning and it's been a year i think that's sort of the way we use technology i think that's been one element where we have particularly learned another element and i don't know if this is me who's kind of been a bit of a germaphobe throughout my entire life um personal hygiene um now that's not to say that we weren't hygienic before the start of the pandemic but certainly if you think about wearing face masks, you think about hand sanitization being more regular now and a lot more of a significance given to maintaining your personal health in general. I mean, that's surely a positive that has come from this year. And I guess the question is, how will that continue? Will, if the emphasis on personal health is there, do things like face masks stay? Does hand sanitization as frequent as is now, stay around? Um, Rob, th- let's start off with you on that
2: yeah i think
3: um the emphasis of the pandemic has brought on obviously maintaining yourself and eating healthier taking things like vitamin supplements if you need them um hand sanitizing and you know washing properly that's all very good it it just makes me think back to you know things like club nights would go on and then you know come back with a cough and think nothing of it that's just you know part of the process um i think covid has sort of brought that into focus a bit more and you know it it seems alien now to go into a a setting like that with so many people in one room you know any one of them could have any number of diseases and that's something that we hadn't really thought about in focus until it became life-threatening
0: well Enoch I want to follow on from that with you now I guess the nightclub is a very interesting spot because you surely the nightclub experience will just almost be dead if everyone is wearing face masks even if social distancing goes, if people still wear face masks, so the experience just goes. So are, are nightclubs, are, are they gone forever now? Are people going to have to find a new form of entertainment?
2: I think you underestimate the resilience of humanity and the adaptability of humanity. If people want to go to a nightclub, they're going to go to a nightclub. We'll have a good time, they'll have a good time. Face mask or no face mask. Um, I don't think we're going to see nightclubs again until at least summer. I think by then, just so gonna be over, but we will also be wearing face masks, Maybe not, maybe not fully mandated. People, I think, just how safe because we're wearing face masks. Um, but I, I think, you know what? I think you can, There's something romantic about a face mask, you know. I think we can, you can, you can definitely <laughs> work something in there, you know, like the mystery, the the, the intrigue. I think there's, there's definitely work that can be done. I, I feel like you are describing
0: a nightclub as a place for beautiful romantic Enoch. <laughs> I'm I'm not sure that's been my experience every nightclub that i've been into but um well i guess moving away from nightclubs now into sort of perhaps other settings so you think of things like shops you think of walking between tables in pubs and restaurants for example um, face masks have been mandated in a lot of these places now do you think that there will be a new custom with people for example wearing a face mask more as a courtesy now than anything
1: I think initially probably, but I think we sort of we are underestimating humanity's ability to not learn from its mistakes. So, like, and know, take the financial crisis for an example. We're going back to sort of the policies that maybe caused that. And I think in the next few years, you'll see face mask use less and less and as the memory of the pandemic becomes like blurrier and blurrier.
0: Well, I think there will be some people, I think, who would perhaps like that. Peter Hitchens, of course, his Twitter this year has been illuminated with his sort of opposition to any, um, any coronavirus restrictions, particularly that of face masks. So I remember he went on a train in a gas mask to sort of demonstrate how he felt about them. So perhaps, perhaps he would like that answer. Just one last thing quickly, if there's anything else, I'll go around each of you quickly. If there's one thing you want from this year to stay what what is it so enoch let's start off with you
2: one thing i want to say you know what um actually i am going to say i i would i do quite like the face masks i think if you're sick you should wear a, ma- a face mask i think that's just become accepted parlance from now on especially when you go to a public place like a tube or something um i, I think i've become hyper conscious of germs now because of this coronavirus, so now if I ever go back on the tube next you and know, I see someone sneezing and they're not wearing a face mask, I think I will just have a breakdown. So I need everyone to just keep mask up. It's gener generation germophobia. I think that that's <laughs> yeah. what we're we,
0: we may be sliding towards. Rob, um, what about yourself? Anything new from twenty twenty you want to say? Um, similar to Enoch, I think there's going to be a lot of extra consciousness around people
3: if they feel a little bit ill. There's going to be a lot more provision for working from home and for people to sort of be cautious stay away from places like public transport but I think as well mental health is going to be another one that's really come to the fore in 2020 with isolation the lockdowns brought people are a lot more aware of these issues and how to sort of combat them and find social spaces um, to help alleviate those issues I think that's going to be something that
1: stays and I'm glad for it.
0: Okay and Will anything for yourself? I think
1: maybe just general health I think there's been a culture, especially in this country, of people uh, soldiering through illness, coming into work as opposed to um, taking a day off when they are genuinely ill. And I think with the like, advent of the pandemic, I think we'll see people will be taking those days off rather than going into work. And even in, if they are minorly ill, they will be wearing a mask, like Enoch said, because the masks have now been introduced into like, Western society where before they were only common in like uh, Eastern societies like Japan and Korea. So I just think people will be more careful about their health in general.
0: Well, Matt Hancock did say in a select committee earlier this year, he was annoyed with the British psyche, that we, um, we choose to go in and soldier on when we're ill rather than take days off. Perhaps this is the way around that. Um, we'll be back with Enoch and Rob's winners and losers from 2020. But first, this.
2: Music
3: Welcome back to another week of Psychedemics
0: Hello everybody, you're listening to The Vinny Show You are listening to Rockstar i back to Casper, who's starting to get There's
3: a team spirit going on behind it. You're all rooting for each other Oh yeah Good, sure sure well, there, Hearts. I love the idea of popular films being nominated for Oscars. I just think the style that Marvel has made has just mm. put them, like, way above. Speech. You must get to the maths and stats building using three different modes of transport. Oh my God,
2: there's a trolley. Really? we <laughs> It's really all about, like, educating, networking and sharing our stories. I think the SU has a really
0: uh, important role in engaging students with politics.
2: News. Good evening and welcome to The Big Decision. Ben and Larissa Tide.
1: This is your student radio station. This
3: is Raw 12 fifty one a.m.
1: Classic tickets, classic films, independent films, and the latest blockbusters. Experience in film direction, more chance to a great fantastic and see news free. And join Warwick students in Monday. Go to
0: Across campus, online and on 1251am, this, this, this is your student radio station. We're gonna move on now. To our winners and our losers. Now, you heard uh, mine and Will's at the end of the first hour of our show. Um, So here in second hour, I want to get Enoch and Rob's big winners and big losers from this year. So, Enoch, let's come to you first. Um, Who's your big winner from this year?
2: Um, My my big winner, this is going to be a very controversial one, um, Joe Biden, (laughs) um, who... Joe Biden is a fascinating case this year because despite being ahead at basically every stage in the polling, um, he's basically having entire media basically behind him saying, you're going to lose. They thought he was going to lose the primary. They thought, oh, it's all name recognition is going to fade away. It didn't fade away. They thought it head to head match against Donald Trump. It's going to be much weaker than he turned out to be. It turns out he actually won quite robustly. Um, So Joe Biden, I think he's been underestimated and he still managed to pull through in the end. So he's my big winner for 2020. I mean, he's he's now president-elect, so he's the big winner. Well, Will, what do you think to that, if I come to you on this? Because
0: obviously he is, Joe Biden won the election. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But do you think that Enoch is maybe putting it too simply there, that just because almost he won the election and he performed better than people expected of him, that that's enough to make him one of the big winners of this year?
1: hard to say because it's about whether Biden won the election or whether Trump lost the election because by all regards Trump probably should have won the election but his uh, strategies over coronavirus have essentially lost it for him. I'm not sure I would agree that Biden had the media in the opposite corner. I think the media was tended to be behind Biden a lot more than Trump because Trump dislikes the media. So I think that Biden won, but he was helped a lot by his allies and Donald Trump's, basically, in, his incompetence.
0: Well, I think certainly the, the US election has been a dominant factor this year, and we will move on to Donald Trump um, very shortly. But um, Enoch, who has been your big loser from this year?
2: Um, my big loser, you, you all know him, you all love him. Uh, oh, I hope, hope no one loves him. Um, Matt Hancock. Matt um, <laughs> Hancock. Health Secretary. Um, Matt, Matt Hancock sort of had a very prodigious fall from grace from last year when he was almost Tory leader to then backing, firstly saying Boris would be been an absolute nightmare for the economy, then immediately dropping out, backing Boris in a humiliating, humiliating turn of events. Um, Matt, Matt Hancock you know, is now Health Secretary, and obviously he has been behind the, test, the, fit, the failings and testing, um, the failures and, you know, the NHS, you know, number of beds we had in the NHS he's sort of taken away with every single thing that's gone wrong so far this entire period. Um, which is, the, the worst thing is, um, if you actually look at the, the, the big sort of two, two views in the Tory cabinet behind, behind this crisis, there was a the Matt Hancock view of there's going to be a vaccine very soon, hold it together, lock down as much as possible, trying to save every life you can. But there's really seen that view of this is the new normal. In fact, it's going to be a very long time away. We need to start renormizing the economy. Matt Hancock was Right. <laughs> Uh, Matt Hancock's view of the situation was right, but it's just he was so incompetent in enacting in it that he's, um, he's the biggest loser of 2020. I
0: like to think back sometimes to the Tory leadership contest last year. Do you remember when everyone on Twitter was going hard for Hancock? <laughs> Gen- genuinely, the, t- the <laughs> Tory activist space, kind of that, no, that wasn't even the Tory activist, that was his <laughs> slogan, was hard for Hancock. <laughs>
2: You, but can't, you can't, just you can't out. do this. I swear to God, Kat. This is a Christmas radio show. This is a Christmas radio show. <laughs> Christmas radio I, show. I, I, I,
0: I'm just taking us back to Halcyon days when Brexit was the dominant factor in the news and we could still go out and see whomever we want, wherever we wanted, and whenever. Halcyon days. Um, Rob, I don't think it's hard oh, to- Hancock! <laughs> Format Hancock. Um, but do you think he'll still be in a cabinet job?
3: Um, I think so because I think this government has proven itself to just sort of not be immune to crises but their ability to weather them is I, I every day you're shocked by it. You know, Ministers have had, you know, they're counting scandals on their fingers now, each of them. Um, and yet people seem to prefer the devil you know in terms of keeping them in their place and saying, oh, well, you know, it would be too much chaos to get rid of them. Who's going to step up into their place? Um, so, you know, treat them treat them with respect, you know, and let them get on with the job. Um, I think Matt Hancock will stay around for a little while and then Boris will enact a reshuffle some way down the line once we're, you know, one or two crises further down. Um, he'll have a little play around and maybe make him transport minister to spite him.
0: Well, there are rumours that uh, Michael Gove is being considered for the position of health secretary. So, again, that this time next year, Michael Gove is in charge of the NHS. Will people be wanting Matt Hancock back? Who knows? Um, Rob, let's stick with you now. Um, winners winners from 2020. Um, who has been your big winner from this year?
3: My big winner has to be Marcus Rashford, he's up there. Um You know, he's been going from strength to strength on the football pitch. He's, you know, carried Manchester United through some really torrid times um, at the minute. Finishes one of the top scorers last season, his current top scorer this season. Um, But it's his off-field antics that have really, you know, taken him to the front page of the news. Um, When the government refused to um, step up and feed hungry kids over the holidays, Marcus Rashford, with his own experience of being, you know, a working-class boy from around Manchester, stepped up did the charity work to fill that void? Um, and, you know, obviously it's it's a debate as to whether charity or, or government serves better in, in feeding the needy, but you've got to commend his efforts in mobilising the resources that he's had using his experience um, and, you know, really forcing this national dialogue on who is responsible for what, you know, to what extent is the government responsible for providing that safety net? Who should step up? Um, in times of strife and I think the fact that he had to really drive home this message highlights the strife that a lot of people faced during lockdown that, that you know, we hadn't
0: really um, examined
3: quite as much until he came into the
0: news. No, definitely. I mean, Marcus Rashford is, of course, someone who's been in the public life of Manchester United in the last few years, but he is, I think, through this, I think really, I think put himself into the hearts of a lot of people. Of course, um, sports personality are giving him a special achievement award um, this year just on the result of his off field activism. But going back to that point you made about the debate regarding this, because obviously what the Conservative government has said, they have sort of emphasised, well, they've emphasised two things. They've emphasised the significance of sort of individual parental responsibility. That's one thing that they have said. But they've also said that for them as well, Charity is something that's obviously provided a lot and it has potentially a greater potential to provide than perhaps government and all of its other mechanisms. But I guess there's a real debate there. Where where do you sit on this debate just out of interest? Do you think that the government... What what more could you think the government could do with regards to this whole debate on free school meals?
3: Me personally, I I think the government should go a lot further in in providing that safety net. Um, And that's just me. I I think that... um, yeah, that's the the role of a government is to sort of protect people against um, a certain level of destitution and strife. Um, But I can obviously see the merits in what Marcus is doing, the the effort he's put in, the people he's mobilised. You know, the charity sector is really valuable and has suffered huge amounts during the pandemic with less people, you know, less footfall in shops, less footfall for um, campaign workers on these charities. The charity sector has suffered a huge amount. So I think they need all the help they can get and respect to him as well for
0: for really reinforcing that. No, definitely. I think a lot of respect to Marcus Rashford from this year. um Sticking with you, Rob. um Your loser from twenty twenty.
3: So my big loser has to be Boris Johnson compared to the the situation he was in this time a year ago. It seems worlds away that he was winning. You know, a thumping majority in Parliament, one of the biggest ones um, in a decade, I think. Um, and. You know, he was talking about this levelling up agenda, triumphantly breaking through the red wall. Um, He seemed to be building this young, diverse Tory party that was, you know, somehow after being the incumbents for 10 years, the Tories have reinvented themselves. Um, But fast forward a year and he's crisis after crisis. He caught the virus himself. M- ministers having scandals all over the place, regardless of how you think he's dealt with them. I think, you know, he's really... Struggled under the weight of what has been one of the most tumultuous years in government for anyone. He's definitely got unlucky with
0: the amount that he's had to face. Well, Enoch um, Boris Johnson is known as a prime minister for the good times. He's likes to be an optimist, but this is fair to say. Coronavirus it's a crisis that relies upon real attention to detail and ability to handle bureaucracy in government. Something that he has been shown to not really handle that well. Um, where do you think Boris Johnson goes now? I mean, do you think he can recover from this? Or do you think that come the next election, this will still be something that will be weighing him down? And perhaps as an aside to that, do you think he'll still be Prime Minister by the next election?
2: OK, I'm going I'm I'm to start with the first question. I'm going to start the last question first. Um, no, I think Boris Johnson will will, will quietly, quietly moved on by the time of the next election. To um, me, a great disappointment, I'm sure. I, I think Boris Johnson's real problem, aside from his... Inability able to organise, spending over a year with an advisor and backbenches, somehow being able to, a, able to pass legislation legislature with an 80-seat majority, the constant U-turns. Boris Johnson's real problem, um, aside from all his other, his other massive problems, uh, is, you know, is that he is a 10-year Conservative government. Um, all the best ideas, all the best Conservative thinkers, and MPs, have been burnt through. He, is, he literally is left with what is left. Um, and that that is not very optimistic of passing a comprehensive legislative um, um you know legislative agenda
0: well i think certainly it'd be interesting to see where he goes from this he has the build back better strategy that he's trying to put forward i think it'll be interesting to see can he recover from that and most importantly keep those particularly those red bull voters he got at the last election there's a lot of appeals being made by the government to these voters now um there's a few people we haven't mentioned so far but i feel we have to give a mention to them and so we have christened them as our bigly winners and our bigly losers again no credit to donald trump for that because yeah i, I don't want to but um we have some bigly winners and bigly losers from this year so i wanted to start off by discussing a few of these names and we've discussed them before the show so let's start off with a bigly winner will captain to tom moore has had a fantastic year
1: i think captain moore shows the best almost the best of britain i think he went into it wanting to raise a thousand pounds by doing 100 100 uh, laps of his garden before his 100th birthday and then as soon as the me as soon as the media caught wind of it his totals just went up and up every single day and he's up to 33 million pounds by by now he's he was someone the nation really got behind during lockdown during the point at which like Britain was probably at its lowest and we all just got behind like a 99 year old man who was doing something that clearly was probably quite difficult for him but he wanted to do it for the NHS and he just inspired us all
0: no definitely I was I was watching Captain Tom Moore at home and just seeing the impact he had, not just on raising money for the NHS, but I think also as a morale booster as well. I think he was a real morale boost for the nation. Um, Enoch, let's come to you next. Um, one bigly loser from this year. I don't think we can... You talked about Joe Biden being your winner this year. I don't think we can quite avoid Donald Trump being quite a bigly loser this year.
2: Yeah, it's sort of hard to escape the shill wake of Donald's humiliation this year. Um by any any normal standard, he should have won this election. He people, you know, while he may not be very popular, presidents come back to that before. Um he has he had the advantage of the economy. People did not trust the Biden economy once they trusted Donald Trump. And also he had the incumbency advantage. Presidents don't tend to lose election presidents don't tend to lose the election. That's just how that's how it works. And yet Donald Trump achieved the impossible and he gained votes and still lost massively. Um and that's it. I thought if I'm Donald Trump, I mean, I, I this is an L, I think I have to say, to, to use the slang term. This is an, an L, basically, unconceivable terms. Uh, only made worse by his refusal to concede and his the humiliation Rudy Lamy drags him through every single day in his attempts to get around conceding.
0: I've never thought of the idea of Donald Trump going to the Resolute desk and saying that he would take an L. Now, that <laughs> I would love to see. It's Christmas. And That's he, my gift to the world. A gift to the world. Donald Trump. You know, just Donald Trump even conceding the election. I feel, I feel that would be a, one of the more surprising things of 2020, given how resolute he has been in sort of standing against the election. Um, Rob, one more bigly loser to talk about, and that is Dominic Cummings. Um, of course, started the year yeah. by special advisor, arguably in many cases the most powerful special advisor since Alistair Campbell, perhaps even going back to the days of Harold Wilson as well. Um, yeah, his fall from grace, firstly over and um, breaches of um, the coronavirus regulations. Of course, he stayed on, but Boris Johnson was very much seen to defend him and in many places seen to spend capital over Cummings. And then, of course, his um sacking at the end of the year, relating to obviously changes going on in Downing Street, rumored to have arisen from Boris Johnson's fiancé's Carrie Simmons, him moving out with um. Lee Kane, someone he worked with at Boat Lee, and a close confidant of Boris Johnson. I mean, describe Dominic Cummings this year. Justify why do why you'd say he's a big loser this year?
3: Well, I think few people have done more to it, actually. That's quite a contentious one. Um, but few people have done more to erode confidence in what was a really triumphant conservative government than Cummings. Um, he was seen as, you know Boris's hatchet man right-hand man, um, his brain, all these things. He was, you know, really the engine room. Dominic Cummings has driven Boris Johnson's political style for years, it would seem. Um, And without him there, it seems Boris has really sort of, you know, struggled to pin down an agenda and really hone his messaging um, the same way he did while Cummings was there. But Cummings' year has just been one of you know dragging down everything he touched um i don't think anyone did more to erode confidence in lockdown um than cummings and his trip to barnard castle then you had ministers coming out to defend him and try and rationalize this trip which in theory had some sort of justification but everyone that looked on it sort of went yeah you you really shouldn't have done that and then as i say, when the ministers came in to defend him it seemed like the public just lost confidence um, and that really buoyed Sir Keir Starmer's efforts who we who we mentioned earlier that really buoyed his efforts to sort of just get get high in the polls off of doing nothing
0: well I feel Dominic Cummings alternative form of eye test this year has created an even bigly loser and that is spec savers because yeah. of course <laughs> Dominic Cummings new eye tests I fear may put them out of business but that is it for our winners our losers and our bigly winners and losers from this year. Um, We will be back talking about 2021. Um, What do we think is going to be in the news? Will it be better than 2020? Um, All that after this. Looking for a bite to eat at the Warwick SU? Daily specials and fine dining experience at the brand new Canopy. Karaoke, pub grub and lager on tap at the Dirty Duck. Salad and sarnies to go in the bread oven. Or a latte link up at Curiosity.
1: There's something to suit any taste and any budget.
0: And if you've got a big night ahead of the Copper Room, start it right at T-Bar. With speciality cocktails, best-stop prices and our expertly stocked bar overlooking the piazza at Warwick SU Outlets. There's something to satisfy every taste. Raw Breakfast, the feel-good way to start your day. This is Breakfast Radio for Warwick students, by Warwick students. Playing the feel-good hits and brightening up your morning. Plus, we have the best gaps, games, and giveaways to freshen up your stagecoach commute. Listen to Raw Breakfast, every day from 8am. Across campus, online, and on 12.51am. This, this, this is your student radio station. We're coming in now to the last 10 minutes of our Christmas Day show. Thanks so much um, if you've been listening to us so far. We've got to look ahead now. Obviously, 2020 is coming to an end in a week's time. Let's look ahead to 2021. Of course, as I kind of said earlier, I think when we think about this year and we think about all the predictions we had for 2020 at the end of 2019, and I think pretty much none of them, it seems to have come true. So are we going to get any any greater success for 2021 knowing what we do now? So I guess firstly, let's talk about some of the big news stories from this year and some of the big things that we think are going to happen in 2021. So Enoch, I guess there's one place to start and that is COVID. What do you think is going to happen? with? And it's a big question, I know. But thinking from what we know at the moment, what do you think is the most likely future route of COVID. Do you think we'll be getting back to some form of normal in
2: 2021? Um, um, I'm afraid to say if we're going to get back to normal, it's not any time soon. I think we're going to see, we're going to see another, a third lockdown um, in January, potentially January and February, um, as the vaccinations starts to scale up. Hopefully Moderna gets imp- um, approved, hopefully Oxford gets approved, we can start really scaling up the vaccine operation. Um, but I think by, we're not going to see any real dent, any real restrictions going away permanently until summer. Uh, yeah, so I think third lockdown, at least one more lockdown, at least, vaccinations by summer. That, that's my view of COVID's path.
0: I mean, it's crazy to think a year ago that the idea of a lockdown even existed. Like, it was a year ago, the virus was going around China. And we all, I remember everyone saw the lockdown in China and was like, this surely can't be happening. Like, this is like beyond authoritarian and quite extreme. And then they all came over to the UK. We were like, oh, so this is, this is what life is like now. And we kind of just <laughs> forgotten about how much we were criticising what was going on in China. Um, Rob, are you more optimistic about 2021? Do you think we could get be getting back to normal sooner?
3: Um, I largely agree with Enoch. I think it's it won't be getting any sort of better until, you know, things start to warm up and the seasons change. But I think any talk of a return to normal is looking at it a bit wrong. I think you won't see any normal like we were back in 2019. I think, certain, as we've discussed in the show, you know, certain things will stick around certain restrictions, people's hesitancies, thinking more about their health, wearing masks. Certain things will stick around um, the way people work um, from home, that will change. Certain things will be m- much more permanent now, I think. Um, and people's habits will change. But I think we'll see a much more nor will
0: return to life. Um, Yeah, later this year, probably, if things go to plan, hopefully they do. Okay, and of course, a lot of it depends on um, the vaccination programme and how that will go. Um, Will, let's talk about another story now. Let's talk about the US election, obviously Joe Biden. um, Barring a sudden switch in Mitch McConnell's attitude that's going to completely derail the certification process of the Electoral College, um, Joe Biden was born in as President of the United States on January the 20th. Um, what, what do you imagine? Let's think about the first 100 days of a Biden administration. What do you think that's going to look like?
1: I Not to give like, a boring answer, but I still really think it depends on what happens with Georgia. I think if Georgia, if it goes, if Georgia, if the Democrats win the Georgian Senate races and it goes to 50-50, where Kamala Harris will split the vote every single time, I think you're going to see a lot more, a, a lot more active Biden administration because they will be able to do more because they won't have the Senate able to block them. Uh, but if uh, the Republicans manage to win Georgia, I think you're going to see a lot of the frustrations that Obama saw in the final few years of his presidency and potentially um, an even a worsening of the divisions within America at the moment.
0: So what, what do you think, just out of interest, would happen? Who do you think is going to win? In the Georgia Senate race,
1: I think. But I think Biden will win the Georgia. I do think Biden will win the Georgia Senate races, and I do both, think Both we'll Democrat see, wins. Yeah, and I do think we'll see a very active um, first 100 days. But I do, I, and if that happens, I think there will be increasing conflict between the two wings of the Democrat Party. The left wing, the lefter wing, like AOC, the Squad, will push for really. Um, Stringent like environmental reform, while the more uh, the more like centre ground of the party will try and moderate their stance for the first hundred days.
0: Okay, let's go around the panel each now. Obviously, we talked about um, coronavirus and U.S. elections, two kind of very big stories there. Enoch, let's start off with you. Two questions: What big news story apart from those do you think is going to be? key in 2021 and
2: secondly is there anything you're personally looking forward to this year um next year's big news story Um i'm saying it right now um captain tom sex scandal i am putting that out there into the world um what's the, what's the second question again it's Sorry. the national treasure I, I i can't i can't see that <laughs> that that's they're always the ones you don't expect that's it that's it's always the ones you don't expect wasn't it the second question
0: the second question was um
2: Anything personally you're looking forward to? Next Anything year? personally I'm looking forward to? Um, not being head of news anymore. I'm looking forward to the day to someone else's problem. Dear God. I'm looking forward to taking a relaxed relax. That, that's what I'm looking forward to. Relinquishing yourself
0: yeah. of the stranglehold on your life of the last year, moving it on. Well, you will certainly leave a void as head of news. I think that is something definite to say. Um, Rob, coming to you next. Any news story you think would be particularly significant next year um and anything personally that you're looking forward to
3: um in terms of news i think there's going to be a lot of scrutiny once things get back to normal on uh, the economic recovery once the covid recovery is over i think there's going to be a lot of worries about you know the sort of the worst recession in 300 years that we've been sat through that somehow hasn't been the biggest news story um and yeah i think we're going to see a um, you know a huge amount of movement from the government on that and a huge amount of media attention put on to how we talked about uh, chancellor Rishi Sunak what he's going to do to sort of bring that back in line what's going to be done to fix the economy there um in terms of personal highlights and what I'm looking forward to there going away on holiday again is going to be a big one um just a chance to sort of get away freely again from from everything that's been going on as much as a lot of this year has been spent as time away from work, you know, that hasn't really felt like a holiday. <laughs> it's felt like we're just sort of on pause until things can um, get back to the way they were. But I think as well, looking forward to just seeing things quiet and down, having a, a calmer year with, you know, no Trump in the White House, no COVID wreaking wrecking havoc on everything, um, hopefully less economic trouble just things to return to a bit more calm, a bit more normal, um, and addressing some of the other problems that
0: COVID has got in the way of. Calm and normality, we can all aspire to that, definitely. Um, well, same two questions. Um, any particular news story for you? Any personal highlight you're looking forward to next year?
1: Um, I think the biggest news story of the next year might be about the Middle East. I think with Biden coming in, um, his Middle East policy may change and it may cause friction between um, America israel iran and the rest of the region as the personal highlights i'm probably just looking forward to like socializing more normally like getting to know people outside of like my flat just going out going to bars the clubs things like that i think just getting back to getting back to normal i think has to be my what i'm looking you know for the, f-
0: the first time that you find yourself in a circle the first time you find yourself at pop, the first time you find yourself in a fully rimmed Kelsey's, my friend, have an experience, put it yeah. that <laughs> way. I feel Top I you've missed an essential part of the Warwick pressure initiation, which is surviving circle pop and Kelsey's.
1: Well, I mean, we'll have to do that next year. It's just, well, I mean, it's going to be two years in one doing the same thing.
0: Oh, definitely. Turn, turn two, term three, this time, if you can get to any, if you get any of those things, mate, take for the of them. I've, I have missed, I've missed circling. I've missed pop. I've actually missed Kelsey's. And those are some highlights I'm looking forward to next year, as well as of course, seeing what happens out. with the alternative view. And with that, thanks very much for tuning into the show today. Thanks very much if you've been listening to us for all of our content across the year. It's been absolutely fantastic to have your support as the show has grown. I can't wait to do more in 2021. We have some exciting things coming up. But thanks today to my guests, to Enoch, Rob and Will. Thanks for having us on. Thank
1: Thank you you very very much for having us.
0: Fantastic to have you guys on. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year.